right, we're going live. Okay, Cheeky Volley 2023 ATP Men's Australian Open. Uh, welcome to the world's oldest tennis analysis and banter podcast that is completely self-funded. Uh, we got we got Kabir here calling in from could be Seinfeld's living room or Cambridge. Asher is stateside right now. We have Daniel Mitchell calling in from Los Angeles. Uh, he's our new intern, going to be helping with some betting statistics. And we got Michael Levine in Brooklyn. How you guys doing? What's up, mate? Doing well. So, yeah, what's up? Episode 29. Episode, is this Damn. really episode 29? 29, fam. But if you know, if you count the Dimitrov episode as more than one, then we're well into the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> All right, possibly our 30th podcast. Uh, for how inconsistent we've been, I think also an accomplishment that we've reached the, uh, the, uh, the 20s and 30s number of episodes. Uh, all right, so first thing I wanted to start off before we get into Australian Open, like uh, actual deep dive going through the draw and maybe a little bit of preview of what the, the new year has, will, will bring in uh, men's tennis. I wanted to start by talking about uh, Alcaraz's absence and uh, how he reached his, his kind of ability to reach number one last year with Novak missing a lot of the season. Kabir, there's something you want to talk about, so I'm going to let you uh, kind of start us off. Actually, I want to defer this one to Asher. Uh, Asher, <laughs> let's hear it. Um, so where do we start? Yeah, it's a big, big shame that he's missing because he's, I think he's a, would you say now that Federer is gone, everyone agrees he's the most entertaining guy on tour to watch? I think entertaining so. how? In terms of Here. how live his arm is and his ability to just slam winners and any any side of the court um i think in that sense definitely good reminiscent of early early federer oh alcaraz being most entertaining yeah yeah i mean i feel like that's like the seeing the his new calvin klein ad like <laughs> you know like i mean dude like he's not even gonna be playing in the in the tournament yet you know like i feel like that just shows like how hyped up he is right now just like everyone posting like these you know the ads of him and everything um yeah, which is yeah, kind of a bummer i agree and we we should get to this in a few minutes but i think generally cheeky volley has consensus that this might be a rough year for him right for a ver for a variety of reasons but before we get to that asher can you talk about generally how novak's absence general absence in 2022 may have facilitated all getting to world number one um well, of course, it literally facilitated because there's no points at Wimbledon. So I think that the amount of points he was he was behind Alcaraz was pretty much exactly what he would have made uh, had he had Wimbledon given points. And then obviously he didn't play Australia. But I think my take is a bit different um, to the consensus take, which is that Novak was clearly the best player in the world last year. I think if Novak had played Australia and Wimbledon and, and got points for Wimbledon, I, I don't think he necessarily wins Australia. But then also, he got a ton of points at the back end of the year that he wouldn't have otherwise gotten had he got had he already had the points. So it's I, I'm not for sure certain he would have ended up number one, but I think Alcaraz ending up as number one is a clear function of that, and also the fact that Rafa um, got injured at Wimbledon didn't pretty didn't pick up any points in the second half of the year. Yeah, um, it, it felt it felt a bit like Alcaraz is getting to number one was a bit. A bit too, uh, one year too early. Uh, mm, I think yeah. he 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 wasn't he wasn't at the he didn't 
he didn't kind of go to the level where the the goat gen got to in the sense of he still he still doesn't really know how to win matches when he isn't playing his best level mm-hmm. which which makes it exciting to watch but he's uh in terms of his match play he's not quite there yet and he still so that, feels that, kind of like uh, sorry i was going to say he still feels kind of like raw yeah yeah and that that's why i think we we still expected him to have a bit of a down year maybe not winning a major this year if he was fully healthy because uh, he he still doesn't have that that level in him when you said when you said last year's rankings uh alcaraz or sorry novak won he kept his even though he didn't play australian open he kept his points right so that didn't affect any of the rankings is that right no is no that, he, he lost the points he lost last, his australian points did he lose his australian points i thought the points last year like they only was it only wimbledon counted like because that's why curios's ranking was much lower than it should have been right well, Kyrgios would have been given given his performance at Wimbledon and the summer he had, he would have been top ten had Wimbledon awarded points. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Wimbledon is the only one that didn't award points. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then Novak right. actually, Novak also missed Indian Wells in Miami, so he probably would have won one of those. Um, Related to this topic on Alcaraz, Alex, you've mentioned you mentioned last year that you had concerns that he the way he played he looked very injury prone. Now, since we had that discussion, he's had three injuries. There was the, the one at the tail end of last year, which pulled him out of London. Uh, then he had a minor injury at the beginning of this year. And then right after that minor injury, he posted on Instagram saying he had, what, another, another um, some membrane issue that's pulling him out of Australia. So can you, can you comment on why, why he might be getting these injuries? Yeah, from, yeah. A, from, a, from, a, medic, from a medical perspective as well. And D-Mitch, I, I want your analysis here as well. Yeah, D-Mitch, jump in here. I think the main thing when I watch Alcaraz and Rune, I think Rune, it's more obvious, or Rune is more obvious. Uh, but I feel like Alcaraz, first, he was what? He was 18 last year or 19? He's, is he 19 right now? Yeah, he turned 19 last year. So he was playing unbelievable amount of matches. I think it said 67 matches, and he had like uh, – it's he played 35 matches where this, this set ended in either 7-6 or 6-7. So he plays super long matches. He saw that at the U.S. Open. He had all these back-to-back five-setters or like back-to-back-to-back five-setters. Um, and there's just something about like the amount of torque he creates when he hits every ball. And everything he hits is so big. His serve, he can hit up to like in the 140s. Uh, and he's only he's like 18, 19 years old. So he's not fully – I don't think he's fully probably like physically developed. And he looks it. Like he doesn't look – I think he still looks kind of like a teenager. Um, As you can see in the CK ad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> evidence, evidence by the, the Calvin Klein ads. Um, yeah. And so I think in uh, you see in all, especially in basketball, like there's so much of this emphasis on load management or whatever for younger mm-hmm. players playing, uh, playing like, like high, high amounts of minutes earlier in their career. And I just feel like s- something of the way Alcaraz, the intensity with the hits the ball. I'm not in his, his injuries. I think a lot of times there's abdominal injuries or like, back injuries like core type stuff so i don't know to me it seems like it just it was all from just watching him and then i think rune for sure this guy's gonna have injuries his elbow and his forehand is like i think way too rigid the way he trains it's like it's never like i think to me novak has like the most Hmm. this is not like based on evidence this is totally based on just me watching them but novak has like the the least injury prone strokes he's like so smooth it never looks like he's overexerting himself and I feel like he's using his entire body through every shot where Rune is like, 
he's like has his arm locked and then he like explodes. And I just, I feel like those guys are, I think it's hard to appreciate the uh, racket speed that they create, but I'm sure it's like an insane amount of torque on their, like their shoulder, their forearm, uh, their core. And so between the just amount of minutes he was on court and uh, how, how big he hits every ball and how young he is, I think it, it's not surprising that he got injured. No, there's definitely something yeah, I, there. I, I, I think it, it, I'm consistently amazed at when you watch Novak load and like sweep through the forehand, how effortless he makes it look. And it, it is the way he accelerates through it. It's hard to tell how big he's hitting it. In contrast, when you look at Holger Rune's training videos on Instagram, look how strenuous each shot looks. It looks like he's putting so much effort into it. Huge shots, but there's definitely seems to be a price uh, to be paid for that. Maybe injury potential and, and i think we've said how like earlier in novak's career it seemed like he used to hit probably bigger i think now he's found this way to keep him his energy like as efficient as possible by he takes every ball on the rise super smooth and then he's just never seems like he's trying to crush the ball and i think like when you're the amount of points these guys play is like it's hard to imagine but i think over time they're like the force added over time that is he's exerting on himself is probably a lot less than like a Rune or even like uh uh when Berrettini goes five sets. Yeah. Sinner's like like Sinner's Sinner's close to Novak though. He has I think he has the closest Mm. kind of ground stroke game to Novak. Yeah. Maybe a little more aggressive. Um I felt like last year when we went to the uh US Open, um, you know, we saw so many different matches of like kind of different generations. And then like when we saw Nakashima play Sinner, I was just like immediately taken with like how hard they were hitting the ball like it felt so much harder than some of the other men and obviously everyone's hitting the ball hard but like the way they were hitting it and then like obviously seeing Alcaraz you know on on tv it just it seems like they're they're hitting it in a way that I could see as someone who has uh no knowledge of any (laughs) medical like things like it just seems like someone's gonna get hurt with how how hard they're hitting it yeah I I think yeah. If, if you look at Alcaraz and Rune, they're explosive. And then you look at someone like Sinner, there's this like incredible elasticity in the way he plays. Yeah. And I think that makes the his game style very similar to Novak. But D-Mitch. Also, wait, were... other, hold on. One other important point. One other important point before we pull Daniel in. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Novak plays with gut, right? Doesn't he play with gut? Asher, can you confirm? No, it's a, it's, it, I think it's a, it's, it's a hybrid. No, no, isn't he VS? I thought he's VS gut, the Babylon VS gut with that head string. He's like a he's like a poly gut hybrid. Someone can look it up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, poly, poly gut hybrid. Yeah, which is going to be much softer on your arm and your body versus yeah. uh, Alcaraz. Is he all poly? I feel like the poly strings also can add to injury. He might be RPM blast. Full. Yeah, I think yeah. I think he, I think he has a similar setup to to Rafa. And Rafa's setup is Rafa strings his rackets like famously very tight too. Which again is gonna, I think, is gonna cause more strain on your body. It's like a more rigid string pattern. Yeah, I just just going back to Alcaraz for for, <clears throat> for a quick second. Um, you mentioned he played a ton of matches. I think he definitely needs to do a better job of managing his his schedule because after Wimbledon, I don't know why he was he was out there playing like two fifties and Umag and uh, Bastard or wherever <laughs> he was playing, but <laughs> those are definitely not necessary. One yeah, of and the he was Chikivali's favorite tournaments, uh, Bastard and Gastard and Umag. <laughs> I mean, he, he notably played top five matches of the year. Number one of 2022 is 
Tsitsipas at 79 matches, which is crazy. Rublev is in there, another guy who's definitely injury prone. Um, and then Alcaraz was came in at five. He was 66, sorry, 67 and 55, 82% win percentage. But um, Daniel, Kabir, what were you gonna what were you trying to check in with Daniel about? D Mitch, let's say you are Alcaraz's physical trainer. Yeah. What would you prioritize this year? So, and what would you be really concerned about and looking looking to manage? So let me just say, first of all, I, he had the, he wrote on Instagram that the injury is he just wrote this time it's the semi membranosis muscle, which is like <laughs> it's it's a hamstring muscle. It's the most medial of your three hamstring muscles. And to me, this seems like an injury that actually happened in the gym. I don't think that this is an on court injury. I think he was probably doing Ooh. some plyometrics, some kind of explosive training. You know, if you watch, there's there's not that much video of his workouts, but in the clips that you could see, he's doing some modern hybrid type exercises and clearly doing some weight training because he's pretty built. So I think that maybe they overdid it this time. Um, and that, you know, that's what led to this injury. And if I'm his personal trainer, um, I want to make him looser. I, I might even incorporate some TB12 method here, you know, massage and hydration. <laughs> this guy's lifting weights maybe a little too much. Um, but a little cheeky, cheeky conspiracy, Mike Levine. Do you think that uh, he started lifting too much in, in preparation for that Calvin Klein uh, photo shoot? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely possible, you know? Like, I feel like now that he's, he's kind of on the big stage now that, like, he might be fame might be getting to him a little too much. Mike, let's say you are Alcaraz's Nike rep and you mm -hmm. find out, one, he's got this you know, subcutaneous injury, whatever it is. <laughs> and then two, you find out that he... Semi-membranosis. Yeah. And then you find out that he has this Calvin Klein ad. How, how do you react to that? It'd probably be like, call him up and just sort of check in, make sure everything's okay. Maybe talk, <laughs> talk, to, talk to his family, maybe get the Nike, like on like our team, like psychologist, just kind of talk to him, make sure everything's going okay. But I feel like he's good. He's got a good head on his shoulders, you know. Asher, sure. let me pose a question really quick. You mentioned that you felt like he was maybe playing too many matches in the lead up to the, to the Australian. Is that a decision that his coach is making or is that is that a decision he's making who's at fault for for playing that many matches that's Ferrero's a good question a pro. Ferrero should know dude he's kind of i feel like he's he's got to take some of the blame yeah i take yeah, comfort in his future you know and in, in how the year will shape up given the Ferrero's his coach but yeah to your point yeah he probably played too much yeah the thing is when these guys are 19 they they, they recover quite quickly so he's probably always telling juan carlos that he's good he's good he's he's ready to go and then Obviously, as he as he blew up in the early part of the year, like all the all these organizers of these random tournaments like Umag and Bestad, and they started offering him most likely appearance fees for for showing up to these events. So I think some of that happened too quickly. Mm. And just to just to close the loop on Alcaraz before we move forward, his uh, and to sort of appreciate how unbelievable he is, um, Robbie Koenig posted this. Are we going with Koenig or Koenig? Koenig. Koenig. All right. Robbie Koenig posted this uh, stat that was um, as of April 2022, Alcaraz in his career, and his career is only like at the Pro Tour is what, three years old now, uh, is nine and one in deciding set tiebreakers. So when you go to like a fifth set tiebreaker or a third set tiebreaker, depending on this tournament, he's nine and one, which I think is an incredible statistic and speaks to like how clutch he is and what he did at the US Open where he won those like, uh, what was it, the Chilich match that went 
five. Tiaf Tiafo went five, right? That was him. Yeah. Um. So yeah. he's he's Dinner incredible. Five, I'm sure. No, yeah. He, and I'm he sure he's an unreal talent. And but before we before we close this segment, can we? I would say, okay. Over under for him eight eight slams. Are you taking the over or the under career? Over. I don't know. I think I, there's I a lot over. of in, there's a lot of like career slam inflation because of the the big three. You have to remember before mm. before Fed burst on the scene, it was Sampras at fourteen. Agassi had like eight, which was like a you know a massive career. I don't know. I'm kind of. I think I'm. I'm somewhere. I'm either like even. Can you can you take an even? I know in betting. Like I think he's. I think he's somewhere around eight. I'm not sure he's going over. No, that that. that. So we read it again to the drop. Let's do it. Oh, yeah, let's drop. do it. All right. So Australian Open drop first things this year, Asher. You were saying you talked a little bit about tennis. The tennis balls in our chat. Any like changes in the surface tennis ball? Uh, just general kind of big picture stuff with the tournament that you think could impact play? Yeah, the Australian Open is a really funny one. So they, they've been changing surfaces and balls routinely since 2017, I think, which is the year federal one when the surface became super fast. And then Dunlop became the ball manufacturer in 2019. And then it became super slow for a couple of years. And then Novak dominated. And then in 2021, they changed the surface to, to green set. And Robbie Koenig mentioned uh, that on the podcast when we had him last time, and then it became super quick again. And last year was pretty quick, but the change from this year, which um, Rafa was complaining in particular, was that Dunlop have now made a new ball, which apparently doesn't take spin as much. So he says the guys who are hitting flatter and harder, they're going to benefit a lot more than the guys like Rafa who, who put a bit more spin on the ball. And who, he says they, 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 lose, of, they lose their spin pretty quickly after like a couple of games. And who are some of the guys that are hitting flatter in the draw that you think can make a run? I think Medvedev is sneaking under the radar a bit because everyone is focused on Novak. Um, even he had a he had a very he had a very subpar into last season. I think he had a kid, so I think a lot of people are sleeping on Medvedev. I think Hurkacz is an interesting guy. He could lose to anyone. He could lose in round one, but then I feel like he also has the potential to reach the semis or the final. I think he's he's scheduled to play Medvedev in round four. Uh, that could be an upset. And I think I think Kyrgios as well. I think the the conditions and everything, sort of his his re- rededication to tennis included. His dedication. His dedication. Into, I don't his, think there's his, a rededication. <laughs> okay. Uh, before we get into first round matchups, just big picture, like. Who are you guys taking to win the tournament? Uh, Kabir, we're going to start with you. Mate, this is a tough one. I filled out the draw, and I'm looking at... Should I project my quarter quarter and uh, semifinal matches? So quarter is the top Yeah, half. big picture. I'm going with... All right, so fourth round, Nadal-Tiafo, I think is a dangerous match. And I'm going to go with Tiafo. Uh, quarterfinal, Tiafo-Medvedev. Have Med winning that, getting to the semifinal. The other quarter, Sinner and Chorich. I'm going with Sinner winning that. Semifinal, Medvedev, Sinner. Going with Med. Bottom Dude, that, the, that would be an unbelievable... I think that's for sure a five-setter, that match. Bottom half of the draw, quarters, Kyrgios, Djokovic. 
I don't know at who's home. taking that. I, I at <laughs> home. Yeah, I don't know. This is the most. I think Novak subconscious might give it to him. He might just he might drop the fourth set and Kyrgios wins. You know, although they played in a final, I still feel that in in some ways, if, if they play again in a quarter, this is even a more consequential match. Um, I'll go with Djokovic winning that. Uh, and the other quarter, this is uh, this might be a bit of a hot take. I'm going with Goffin and Berrettini. Uh, Berrettini coming through in the semifinal against Djokovic. I'm going with finals. Djokovic, Medvedev, Djokovic winning it. Okay. Asher, I want to go to you next because, to be honest, okay, so... of the people here, I really only. I, I wait, wait. Like you two. <laughs> What's up, Mike? Yeah. Wait. Sorry. Wait. So, Kabir, who who do you say who do you say is gonna win the whole thing? What Joker? Who's your prediction? Joker. Joker. Okay. 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 Yeah. So Kabir's taking Joker, and then Asher next. I feel like of all of us, you are the only two that really can see the yeah see how things play out into the future. <laughs> but I'm I'm yeah. going match by match. But Asher, who are you? What's your what are your predictions? So what, one of my big picture theories about the Australian Open is that there's always a random guy in the semis. Yep. Uh, compared to the other slams. So we've had- That was your graduate Karasta. thesis? That was your graduate yeah, thesis? Yeah, ex- ex- exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm just, I'm just waiting for the outcome of this tournament for it to get uh, published, actually. <laughs> Wonderful, but, best, yeah, of, best we've, of luck. We've, we've, had, we've, we've had Karatsev, we've had Kyle Edmund, we've had Hyun Chung, we've had Verdasco one year, Dimitrov. So Songa, I worked Magadis. backwards from that. And then I looked at the draw <laughs> and I thought, who could be this year's Karatsev? So in the bottom half, I have Jensen Brooksby getting to the semis. <laughs> dude, he's he's dangerous, dude. He can I fully support that. I, I think feel he's like he's the... but I don't know if when I'm hearing about the balls and who it's going to favor, I don't know if he has the serve that 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 that's going to Yeah, his his serve his serve is, is is a big weakness in his the game. The serve is a huge liability, and look, look who he would probably play second round he's looking at casper rood even if he gets to casper rood third round he's going to play either bublik or tommy paul i have them over him mm. in straight sets yeah i think the later could be the the later matches you said if he played tommy paul i think if he's playing anyone that's kind of aggressive i'm um, i think he matches up really well i think casper rood's a bad matchup for him yeah because casper rood is steady he's gonna he's gonna play deep he's not gonna be like like i feel like brooksby wants to play like a like Brooksby Tiafo, like that's a weird match for Tiafo. That's a horrible matchup. Yeah. yeah, any big hitter, but I think like a rude who's steady, mentally tough, and is just gonna really kind of like a modern day counterpuncher grinder. I think hangs pretty well with him. But if he plays any, any like okay, like I think a, a classic version of a terrible uh, matchup would be Brooksby versus Karatsev. That's like Karatsev's worst nightmare. He wants to play like big hitters. And I think that that's a kind of matchup that he would be uh, scared for. To, to one of Asher's points, though, this uh, you mentioned Hyon Chung briefly. Do yeah. you remember when we were talking about Hyon Chung might be like, is a little bit like, people were making like Djokovic comparisons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a real thing, dude. He was, he was going to be, he seemed like he was going to be so good. He was fast, great ground strokes. And then he just injuries and has not, uh, hasn't panned out, huh? He like once every yeah, before- like two years posts a video of him training before yeah. um before he played federer in the semis in in 08 um our uh, Kabir and i's friend chris who who um i think he was 1700 in the world at one point he said that hyun chung was going to beat federer in straight sets because he's better than peak novak 
Damn. But yeah, that's sad. I mean, he's not even the best. He's is he even ranked in the top like of Korean players? Is he rank, even ranked? Does he have an ATP ranking right now? Hi, oh, he's, he's barely he's barely in. played since then. He's he's barely. I think he played one one doubles tournament last year. Maybe Damn. a few futures, but yeah, he's he's really fallen off the radar. I think it's, it's all injuries. Yeah. Yeah. So right. can we? Can you we can talk? like, but just yeah, just so I'll just finish finish the semifinals. But Jensen Brooksby, that that's kind of not what I actually think, but it's 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 a nice one to throw out there, you know, from from that part of the draw. Because are I you think putting any money Casper, on it? The Casper Root quarter is a bit more open than than the other quarters. Uh, on Brooksby, no, I don't think I'm going <laughs> to allocate any towards Brooksby. But the the others, so then like uh, the rest of my bracket is similar to Kabir. I have. I have Kyrgios Djokovic, but I have Kyrgios beating Djokovic, and then I have Medvedev Sinner, and then Medvedev Kyrgios final and Kyrgios to win. Oh, sick! You know, I, this it's such a toss-up going with Kyrgios Djokovic in the semifinal, right? It, it, Djokovic, Kyrgios said it again this year. I think two, two, three nights ago. If he wins a slam this year, he's hundred percent retiring, and his goal this year is to chase it. You would think, with all the momentum last year, last he has year. the best chance to win it in Australia, but I don't know. Peak, peak. But you said Kyrgios is gonna said that he would retire if he won a slam this year. Yeah, I believe it too. I really think he would. If he wins a single slam, he's retiring. That's it. He's a little young to retire, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. But Dimic, what are what are Kyrgios's odds to win the tournament? Uh, great question. To win, Kyrgios is. Uh, plus fourteen hundred. That means if you bet a hundred dollars, you'd win fourteen hundred. Oh yeah, there's, I like that. There's definitely going to be capital allocated towards towards that. And no, Novak is around what like evens. Novak is minus one twenty. That means if you bet a hundred oh, minus one twenty. Wow. If you bet a hundred dollar, or sorry, if you bet a hundred and twenty dollars, you would win one hundred dollars. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't Maybe like that. Win. I don't like that price. Yeah, I think. I think. I think if Novak can avoid Kyrgios and Medvedev. Um, I think he's going to win, but I, I don't think he's going to beat both of them, given given the conditions. While we're talking about odds to win, I just want to throw out there, I think the greatest value I'm seeing here is Sinner is plus 2,000, which means if you win, if you bet $100, you win two Gs if Sinner wins. I like that. And I think that that, yeah. what like I'm that. hearing from you guys, there's some good value there. Yeah. But, okay, on the topic of Sinner, can we just briefly talk about players who we think this year, this is their opportunity to win a slam. I don't think it's Rublev. And although I think this year is make or break for Tsitsipas, I also don't think it's Tsitsipas. I feel very good about Sinner. One, maybe two slams. You're saying win their first slam, though? Players who would win their first slam? Yep. Yeah, I think this is Sinner's year to win a slam. Anyone else first-time slam winners? Tsitsipas is a maybe, I think. I don't, I, I don't, I wouldn't bet on it, but I think he's a maybe. Other is, he's only, he's only going to win the French Open. So I think we, we need to break it down by majors, right? So if we look at the French Open, I think Casper can win and Tsitsipas can win and Novak can win. If Alcaraz is healthy, he can win. So I don't, I don't see anyone else winning the French Open. Wimbledon, I would go with Sinner. But yeah, Wimbledon is a, is a great shot for Sinner because if, if Novak is not quite at his best, because Sinner was two sets up against Novak at Wimbledon last year. And I think he has the best grass court potential out of anyone. And there's no one else who's actually a good grass court player. So yeah. 
I think Sinner either Wimbledon this year or next year is is a great shot. I think he's Wimbledon next year. Wimbledon next year for Sinner. Why did you say Sinner for uh, Wimbledon? Because he he he's able to take it early, which a lot of the guys on tour can do, and he's a great mover. And his yep. service has improved under under Killer Cahill. So I think he, he he put everything together, and he he dusted Alcaraz pretty badly at Wimbledon last year. And and the fact that like no one else can really play on grass. If you if you look at the the traditional modern game uh, player, you you think of someone like Zverev, and he wants to stand back, take big cuts at the ball. He doesn't really come in, take it early. And you got a lot of guys like that. I think if you look at the the stability and the balance center has when he's on the run, I think that really lends itself mm. well to to grass yeah. court. And, and he has looking, a, his great great return game as well. Great, great return, return game. game, and I think his net game is really improving under Darren Cahill. And Asher, we spoke about this briefly last year, but of any of the next gen like current top players, to me, he seems the one player with multiple Wimbledon tournaments. Uh, yeah, yeah. The issue is he he gets injured a lot, which which might just be just because he's young, but yeah. he has a lot of lower body injuries. Like I think he, his knees are a bit dodgy. So that's just one thing to look out for. Mike, D, Mitch, and Alex, do you want to forecast the second week of the slam or should we go match by match? Start with the matches we're most excited about in the first round. I want to go, I want to go a little more, a few other big picture questions and then go into first round and we can take it from there. Cool. Mike, are you okay with that? Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> also, just for the record, for the record, Mike has officially become the uh, the leading kind of decision. What was the the the, the, the triangle star, of sadness? The oh yeah, Mike's the star you of Keegan Bali. Have you guys seen Triangle of Sadness? No. Ah, uh, anyone? Only only Alex. Maybe He's- other things. Uh, we spoke a little bit about Medvedev. I think he is at an interesting point. You know, Australian Open, I think, is always kind of a reflection point. It's like first slam of the year. What's going to come in the in the new year? And for Medvedev, we have... Al, can I, Al, can I give my... um Like, this is just like an uninformed, uh, like, feeling about Medvedev. Yeah, yeah. What's like, your feeling? I, I, I feel like he... And, like, maybe an overall vibe that I'm sure everyone would agree with that, like, just based on the last year, it was, like, super weird year for him and, like, super, like, easy for him to be overlooked. Like, I didn't really watch many of the smaller tournaments, so I don't really know how he did. Um, but, like, I just feel like he – it was, like, like what, like, two years ago, he was, like – he was, like, the he's, like, the guy. It felt like, like, he's going to be, like, the number one and, like, everyone's going to have to beat him. And then with like not being able to play in any of the tournaments because of um, Russia and all that, I feel like he's got kind of a chip on his shoulder this year and like um, kind of has a lot to prove, probably has some like anger about all that. And like, I just feel like he's going to be really dangerous. Totally. I, I think he basically left 2021 as sort of the best player in the world. Like him and Novak were kind of neck and neck. And I think his game is so unique and he's so just consistent, covers so much court, like no one really wants to play him, can really match up against anyone. And I think uh, basically because of Vladimir Putin and uh, <laughs> the, the state of geopolitics, his, his, uh, 
his 2022 is very much impacted. And yeah. I think Australian Open is a great surface for him. I think he's going to be dangerous. And I think there's a, he could easily win two slams this year. Yeah. He, he's my, for what it, for, uh, he, he's who I would predict is going to win it this year. But that's a very, like, I feel like that's, um, not based on a whole lot other than some, like, obvious factors. No, I think, I think, that's a I great think take. if he, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think if he, if he plays Novak, I, I would put him as favorite over Novak. But if he, if Kyrgios somehow gets to the final and play Medvedev, I think his game matches up so badly with Kyrgios that I think Kyrgios would beat him. Can you explain why his game matches up badly? Because I thought that U.S. Open match, which to me was maybe the, probably the highest level Kyrgios has ever played and one of the highest levels I've ever seen on a tennis court, where Kyrgios just basically destroyed him. What, uh, why is that a bad matchup? It's because Kyrgios has this, this, uh, this block backhand that he can, he can hit angle and short and he gets, and Medvedev really struggles against that. Medvedev prefers, um, yeah, Kabir, Kabir, Kabir is doing that, doing it on the video. Um, yeah, Medvedev, he, he too, this, was you like, um, was he like bringing him to the net and stuff? Isn't like Medvedev not great at the net? Like, yeah, exactly. So he 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 can he can play he can play very short, and then he can he on his backhand return as well. He can hit it down the line, just block it, hit it cross court, block it. And Medvedev doesn't like playing with the ball kind of at his knee at knee height. He he prefers it a bit higher, especially on the backhand side. And then he has such a he has such a great serve, and he's so good at net as well. So. Medvedev relies a lot on staying like way behind the baseline because he knows that the guys on the tour are not good enough to, to close points at net. And like Kyrgios is maybe the best player at net. Uh, and the probably the 20. best, one of the best drop shots in the, on tour too, which yeah. is also really effective. Yeah. Against and these guys and I feel like if, um, if Kyrgios and Medvedev played each other, you said that could be in the semi, that would be in the semis. It would be a final. Oh, in the finals. I mean, that'd be great finals, but like, I feel like, there's the whole mental part of that. I feel like they don't like each other. Like there's like some, there's some mental part there that I feel like he Medvedev like struggles against Kyrgios because of like Kyrgios just kind of being annoying to play, you know? Medvedev really think, struggling think, with the... Let me, let me jump ahead, in here for a second. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, I think there's a, Medvedev doesn't like when there's a, like a equalness in the darkness of kind of <laughs> like they're, they're both good villains, which I think doesn't, doesn't bode well for him. Yeah. He needs balance. Like a light, a light versus dark matchup for Medvedev is like prime, like him playing. I don't know. Who's like the, who's like the brightest player on the tour. Rude. Yeah. Him playing rude. That's a good matchup for him. He'll smoke him. Uh, all right. Let's move <laughs> along though. So the let's see speaking of curios uh kind of one more point before we get into specific matches is one what's this we talked a little bit about it but what's this tournament look like for him what's this year look like and then are we okay with him playing doubles it seems undeniable like or he, he sort of can't not play doubles because it's in australia and him and kokonakis won last year but i think at the u.s open when he played Kachanov, it seemed like he was just getting, he was getting those like leg cramps, getting a little hurt maybe. And this is something Daniel was saying. uh, And I think it's a good point is that it's not a, I don't, if he's really trying to win a slam, I I think doubles can keep you loose early in tournaments. But if you're making it to like the final week, I think it's a lot of time on court, especially some of their matches at us open him and Kokonakis were going two out of three sets. I think it is a really valid point. I think it's, it's a tough call. But ultimately, 
if playing doubles is what's going to keep him relaxed and excited about being in the tournament, then that's probably his his best uh, mechanism for getting into a second round of a slam. I, I, would, I would also add that he is... Um, oh, sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll, I just Ashley, you finish it. Daniel next. Yeah, he... I think one of the reasons... With Kyrgios, we have to look at what makes him happy because that 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 factors into his performance. And one of the reasons why he was unhappy, I think, in 2021 was that Kokinakis wasn't on tour. And that guy's his best friend. And he really enjoys playing doubles with him and hanging out with him. So I think Kokinakis going back on tour really helped, um, <laughs> made, made Kyrgios re- recommitted or, as you would say, committed to the game. <laughs> I agree with uh, that. And I think I, I think he needs he needs um it's just it's just gonna add to his happiness, which is gonna translate into his singles as well. I, I just wanted to add, you know, I was at my first up close and personal tennis match live. I'm in the third row at the open last year watching Kyrios and Coke uh in doubles. And it's my first time seeing Kyrios live, and his serve was not was not there. It was like he was serving 115, 116. Um, it wasn't big. And I talked to Alex about it. Alex thought he was exhausted because he's playing back to back to back days. Um, and I, I think that's, that's too much. And I'm, I'm concerned for his singles performance. If he's, you know, getting exhausted playing doubles every other day. Yeah. And, you know, let's be real. Every other serious singles player who's looking to really win the tournament, um, or who has won it, they've never played doubles, right? At the same time? Well, except Williams sisters used to always do it. And it was okay. a lot of times it was great for them. True. True. Right? Yeah. They would always do it. Yeah. Any other on the men's side, has there been anyone that's that goes deep in in dubs and still wins and wins singles? Uh jo- John McEnroe. <laughs> Back in the would day. would Ag- would Agassi do it? No. I don't think so. We we we'd have to go back in the archives and see, but I I <laughs> I don't think so. I yeah, think ideal, ideal, ideal situation is that Kyrgios loses like round three of doubles and then he can be fresh for second week singles. I think that's the best case for him. Let's Imagine Sinner telling Darren Cahill that he wants to play doubles. It's not happening. Yeah, it's not happening. Because, because, it's not happening. Because, because, because Musetti is his boy. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Musetti, that, I, I, think yeah, I, don't, I don't want to talk about Musetti. <laughs> <laughs> I think we said he's a good transition into exciting first round matchups. All right. Can I, can I walk us through some and then jump and then jump in if I'm missing anything? Yeah, go for and it. And I have I'll a little bit of you. background stats for, for one of the matches that I'm excited to share. Oh, definitely. All right. We'll make sure we get into it. So to start just top of the draw, an interesting one, Nadal versus Draper. Uh, Kabira, let's start with you. Yeah, I think it's a dangerous match. Draper is a serious player. I think he was 19 last year. He might have turned 20. Huge 6-4, massive forehand, great backhand. Saw Amit and I saw him play first round of Wimbledon in 2021 uh, against Joker. Took the first set off him. And um, he's won, I think he won a good number of challenger tournaments last year. He's had some great results um, early this year. And I think it's I think it's a tough first round. First round playing someone with a big serve and a huge forehand. Is Draper good enough or confident enough to take him out in the first round? I think it's going to be tough. Um, it could be an interesting bet. I don't know what the odds are for that. Um, yeah, the odds on that, Nadal's favored by four and a half games. Yeah. 
Um, so if Nadal wins by five games or more, you, you would win that bet. If uh, Draper loses by four games or less, uh, he would, yeah, he would win that bet. And yeah, what's, what's, what's the money line on Draper? Good, dude. The yeah. money line is, is uh, plus 230. So $100 on Draper, you'd win 230. Um, you'd have to bet 270 on Nadal to win 100. Yeah, so that, that's very interesting because I think you would normally expect Nadal against a guy who's not won anything on tour to be something like a thousand, right? Yep. And it's it's a lot lower. So I think a lot of people and a lot of betters are expecting or not expecting, but they think that an upset is uh, is on the cards. So I I think Draper is tremendous upside. Uh, I think he's really going to be. He's going to. I think he's going to have a huge year. I don't think an upset is happening. That being said, I would not be surprised if we see a first round five setter. Hmm. And that, that four and a half game seems pretty good, right? Like, yeah. even if it's not an upset, if it's a close match, like four and a half games is saying it's going to be a close match, right? Yeah. Because that's, that's like over the course of four sets, five sets, there's only a four game difference. That could be like if every set is six, four, six, four. even if Nadal wins in straights and it's four, four, and four, you, you win that. That's a tight match. Yeah. Um, okay. And the next one I had was Nakashima McDonald. Maybe, maybe a little, a little mm, sort of boring of a match, but I think it's a, it's a, like, I don't know who you take there. It's tight. It should be tight. They both played UCLA, right? No, Nakashima played at Virginia. Okay. But he's, he's from San Diego. He's very Cali. I'll go with Nakashima in four sets. You know what? I actually, do we like this match or should we move on? We can move on, but I, I, I'll say that in my bracket, I had Nakashima getting to the quarterfinals. He's good, dude. I think he's really good. He, when it's all said and done of this class of Americans, I think he might be the best. There's like a world where he could be the best. He's very no, good. I, I think he's incredibly good. But wait, Asher, if he gets to the quarters, you have him taking out Nadal in what, third round? Yeah, I think I have Yeah, I have Nakashima beating Nadal. Okay, so, oh, sorry, okay, that would be second round. Okay, that's, uh, that's a hot second, take. Whoa. Right? That's <laughs> Nakashima over. I see Daniel's penciling some of this stuff down. Writing down way. everything Asher and Kabir say regarding <laughs> matchup. I don't think Nakashima has the return to pull that off. I would. I, I I'm, not, I'm not sure if I see it. I just, it's 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 more a reflection on the Rafa's level than Nakashima's level because okay. I, I don't yeah, think yeah. Tiafoe should ever have beaten Nadal at the U.S. Open, right? Yeah. And he he kind of ended up winning in four sets, yep. reasonably comfortably. So I think it's just a function of Rafa being in such bad form, especially on hard courts. Yeah. And Nakashima just being very solid. Well, if we go to that, though, let's briefly reevaluate the first round match. And we'll also, when you add in the fact um, about the way the balls are playing, do we expect Draper to get the first set? What's the bet on that, Draper taking the first set? What are the odds? Uh, actually, I love Draper taking the first set as a bet. I would, I, I would do that, yeah. You mean yeah. the Kabir, are you going to put anything down now? You know what? I can't because it's not legal in Massachusetts. So, Asher, <laughs> maybe you can be uh, the conduit here. <laughs> Daniels has like a book, a little low key booking service. Whoa, 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 <laughs> chill, chill. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, Cheek Cheeky Volley is diversifying into an online betting company. <laughs> uh, okay, can we move on to another match? Yeah. Um, if we, or I guess, are we waiting on that, that first set odds or we'll come back to that? I, I can't we'll get first set odds. I don't have props on this for tennis on this thing. Okay. All good. All good. So next up, 
Kachanov versus Zapata Miralles. Is that how we say that? Uh, I think that the reason I picked this match is because I think Kachanov, you kind of like Herkoc, is a guy that can go deep but could also lose to anyone depending on how he's feeling. Notably, he made a racket change, right? He went from the Blade Pro to the maybe the the E-Zone. Is that true? Yeah, he's playing with a blocked out Yonix. It's hard to tell which one it is. Um, Mo- yeah, I feel like most likely an E-Zone, but most, do we have any an E-Zone. tennis nerds say anything about that? Oh, we'd have to take a look. Right, um, way, I just so- want to throw. I want to throw this out there. For the the odds on this on this match, Kachanov is favored by eight and a half games. Uh, if you bet money line on Zapata Morales, it's plus seven ninety. Which so he's an eight to one underdog. And uh, but I would have trouble betting against a man named Karen because I think that builds a lot of character. <laughs> <laughs> he grew up his like whole that. life getting taunted, so that guy's got him. Yeah. Um, but he uh, didn't Zapata Morales have a good was it US Open? He had some good tournament towards the end of last year. Yeah, I think it was US Open. I'm trying to pull up the um, activity from last year, but I don't know if he is, but his his general gestalt is very uh, joyous sport. Yeah. That that brand is he, is he sponsored by joyous sport? <laughs> There's always like a few of the Spanish players who are like ranked a bit lower and they're always joyous sport. That's probably an outer court first round five setter. Yeah. True, so if true. you're thinking it's a five setter, then you would you would bet plus eight and a half for Zapata Morales because he's he's plus, you know, that's a big spread. I think that's good value, dude. I think that's pretty good value. Yeah, I still think, again, thinking about the balls and who they might favor, I expect Catching to be able to hit his way out of that match. It's gonna be tough doing this, but yeah. In order to cover, he has to win in straight sets six three or or less. Like he has to mm. win six three or six two in straight sets. I'd be surprised if that was a straight set win. I, I don't know. Kat, Kachanov, it's just too unpredictable. Okay, next up. I mean, he's, he's coming off a big U.S. Open, but then yeah. generally coming off of like a few years of underachieving. So yeah. to be TBD, Eubanks versus uh, Sunwoo Kwan. Sunwoo Kwan, who just won Adelaide, right? And I feel like is uh, one of these guys that's always like, and all these like Instagram tennis things. It's usually it's like a lot of videos of him hitting. He has really nice strokes, though. I don't, yeah. I don't really like his backhand. Um, so I picked this match out. I think Eubanks has a massive serve. Like it's not necessarily even that big, but I think it's very effective. And I, I met him this year and I try to return his serve. It was almost impossible. Um, and he's uh, I think he trains hard. He's uh, he's an Atlanta guy from from atlanta still plays there trains there uh he's a wild card i think that soon wukwan is probably beatable for someone with a serve like him what are we what are we thinking where would you think who do you think uh is the underdog in that match alex i would think that it's favored for kwan because kwan is a higher ranking right that's correct yeah eubanks is the underdog yeah, yeah I Kwan, think Kwan also had two nice wins uh, in, in he Adelaide. Nice he, beat, he beat Jack Draper and he beat uh, Cheeky Volley favorite Bobby Bobby Batala. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, got, a, that's a big win. He's got serious momentum coming into the tournament, but we've seen this <laughs> often where there isn't much downtime between <laughs> winning and then playing a first round. Looking last year, 2022, uh, Kwan converted 39% of break points. So given the fact that, you know, we don't know how much time he's had to rest, not fun playing a huge server first round. I still, I, I think, I think Eubanks has a huge serve. I don't know if he's a spot server still. I don't know if Dude, he is. A, he, he hit like, he said he had one match last year, a three setter where he hit like 30 aces. 
yeah, it's it's unreal. Um, okay, that's another match though. Do we see that going five sets with Quan winning that? I think just because of a recency bias of me meeting him, I'm taking Eubanks <laughs> for no other reason. But I, think that's I, I have good, a good feeling about it. I think that's a good bet too of uh, betting against Quan in the first round, just given the, it's also the pressure going into it, right? Of having just won a title and then now having to get past the first round. That's tough. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to counter that actually. <laughs> okay, bro. I feel like, uh, um, again, this is uh, an informed opinion. Um, Hold on. Uh, or like Ca- more, caveat more that like, all all opinions are here are uninformed. <laughs> um, no, but more of like a uh, feel kind of thing, and kind of like general taking the temperature of like society. Um, uh, Sunny, my girlfriend, who happens to be Korean American, was reading to me this article about how um, I'm forgetting the word, but like before that, people would associate the Han with Korea, like this kind of dark, this like darkness. Um, and now it's because of like like it seems like the culture has shifted where there's now like a lot of um uh well-known like famous uh korean people whether it's like um like with all the film with um all the mute, like k-pop like everything they're having this like kind of joyous moment that i think it's i think it's the time you know so I he's, think he's riding the anti-han right now yeah, he's riding. He's riding the anti Han. He's riding the like um, the the like Korea's impact on like the the society right now. I think he's gonna ride that to um, a couple good wins at the Open. I love it. I like that that's a lot. Great take. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, great yeah. kind of ethno cultural, uh, global culture kind of take. Something that we yeah, specialize that's... in. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, all right uh i'll I'll give you a a really all right hit it a a, a first round that i probably wouldn't watch even if i had the opportunity to uh (laughs) felix first round so who are you taking and why aren't you watching i i think it's a weird (laughs) man i think it's a weird well so i love watching felix play especially live um, he rips the ball and he takes the ball so much earlier than it seems on TV, but I can't stand Pospisil, so I wouldn't watch it. It could be weird. Uh, they're both Canadian. I'm sure they grew up together and uh, Felix is younger and he's a lot better, but things could get weird in that match. And Pospisil notably is close with Novak too. Supposedly. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Felix is close with Rafa. <laughs> we're, no, is, bro, Felix we're... Is, is Felix's coach still Tony Nadal? I think so, yeah. Okay. All right, we're, we'll keep it moving. We're going to go over time, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, I do think of this is the last kind of unrelated to tennis banter, and we're going to start being a little more directed. Pospisil, seeing him live, of all players on the tour who would give, like, an illegal donation to a political campaign, he's definitely <laughs> the one I'm taking. There's something just, like, very sketch about his vibe. I would like, throw he gets, he's an he, eight to one underdog as well. I think Felix is going to destroy him. I don't know why. He's not that good. Like, I don't think he's, he looked overweight at the U S open. I don't think that's a great, bet, but wow. Yeah. He's, he's, he's focusing quite a lot on the, the PTPA. Um, a bit maybe less on the ten, on the tennis itself these days. <laughs> exactly. So, okay. Next up, uh, Isner Manorino, very interesting match, kind of a David and Goliath. Uh, you have one of the greatest servers of all time versus sort of the tennis is like Somalia come, uh, <laughs> 
I don't know how to describe Manorino's vibe, but he's just super smooth. Uh, this lefty, right? I'm, I'm saying, I'm remembering that right. Lefty, even when he is sponsored, he still feels like he's unsponsored. Um, never going to overpower you, but just makes like kind of opens up the court with angles. Really weird math. Kind of, it seems like it could be your classic um, Isner five setter, just mm. you're fighting for a break type match. Any thoughts? Yeah, this is an interesting one. The head-to-head is 8-1. Do you know who has eight wins? The By the way you pitched it, I'm going to think it's Manorino. No, it's Isner. He's won the, okay. Isner 8-1. He's won the last seven rounds. That being okay. said, I think that Isner's best tennis probably behind him at this point. And Serb is still there, but I think Manorino's got a pretty good return. I'd go with Manorino in four or five, but I, I feel I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the, the upset here in terms of um, their head-to-head. History. Mike Levine, is it is it relevant that Isner, as a former bulldog, uh, is coming off of his second NCAA championship uh, in football? Is that relevant <laughs> to his performance at the Australian Open? Go it's, dogs! It's yeah, heady times, heady times yeah. to be a bulldog. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he's kind of like gonna ride that that wave a little bit too. Okay, I feel like that's pretty fair. And and Manorino is still kind of sad from uh, France losing the World Cup. So, um, all right. Next up, Karatsev Grigor. I love this match. I think it's a classic. Grigor is gonna be kind of disappointing. He hits big enough. He hits like nice enough for Karatsev to get rhythm and kind of blow him off the court. I don't. Karatsev, I feel like didn't have a great year last year after having like uh, kind of that burst on the scene type year um what do we think asher i don't know i've been watching instagram videos of grigor training hard so i'm going with grigor <laughs> okay kabir i'm going with karatsev only be- grigor has momentum he's also seated um He's obviously played way more matches in his career as well. Um, but Karatsev has had the best success at Australia. I think it's a weird first-round matchup. Um, given, again, the what we're hearing about the balls, I think Karatsev, I'm seeing him really hit through Dimitrov a bit on the backhand side. Uh, ex- that's my favorite first-round matchup. Very exciting. I'm going to Karatsev in five. Okay, and you're stamping that as the post-Kabir uh, first-round banger? Absolutely. Top choice. That's that's the Fortet. Uh, no, the Bicep Banger. <laughs> okay. It's Apex Twin in the background. Daniel, what's your, what are the odds on that? Um, Karatsev is the underdog plus 185. Um, and the, the spread is Grigor minus three and a half, Karatsev plus three and a half. Um, and those are, wow. ga- those are games. Yeah, three, plus three and a half games. So I think the value there <sighs> would really be taking Karatsev plus three and a half. Look, Dimitrov's got that cheeky, cheeky slice that he's going to be using a lot to the Kratsev forehand. I still think Kratsev likes running around, big windup. I could see him hitting huge in this match. I don't know. This could go either way. It's a really exciting match, but I'm, I'm going to go with Kratsev. I'm going with the upset. I, I think it's yeah, Dimitrov's I, slice to Kratsev's backhand, though. That's how you, I think you, Kratsev's backhand can, I think that's where, hmm. I don't know. Asher? 
I was just going to say that the Instagram comment was a bit of a joke, but I, I saw him play Sitsipas in the ATP Cup, and he, he, that was a really good match, which went to 7-6 in the third. So I think Grigor is coming into, into the tournament with a bit of form. But we never know with this guy. Ever, ever, since, ever since Kabir and Alex decided to do a, a Dimitrov two-part cheeky volley uh, dedicated episode in 2018, his career has really gone downhill since then. So you won we a Webby really award. Expect. <laughs> or one of our Dude, better episodes. The, cla- the classic uh, cheeky kiss of death. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, all right, Fritz Basilishvili. I Wait, let me give some background stats. Let me give some background stats on this one. Okay. This one really caught my eye. Uh, Kabir mentioned it in the chat, and I saw the odds. And Kabir mentioned an upset with Basil. And he's, a, he's a, over a 9-1 to one underdog. So I did a little Whoa. background research here. They played three times in 2021. I don't know that they played in 22. The first match, Basil won at Doha. I, by the way, I don't know what any of these tournaments are. Basil won at Doha. Then Fritz got revenge at Dubai, and then Basso won again at the Masters 1000 semifinal. Um, wow. So, which, I, which know, Masters I, 1000 was it? Yeah, in which Masters? 2021. But where, where? Which one? Oh, it was at... Um, yeah, Bosses Philly played amazing. That Doha tournament, if I remember right, he also beat Federer in that tournament, and he beat won Federer, it as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, and I think, I think the, the, the fast surface does suit him. 2021 BNP Paribas. Bosses oh, is really? That, that is Indian Wells of Paris. Um, let me just. Bosses really hit so big when you see him. Uh, play it, was Indian, it was Indian Wells. Yeah. The cracking sound off his racket is something I think I haven't heard of another player. That is a really dangerous first round. Um, Fritz being seated is going to feel a lot of pressure with that. Mm. I, this this is the, a tough one. The spread yeah, the is more- nine games. Fritz is favored by nine games, which is a lot. The more I think about it, the more I'm going with Basvili on this one. The yeah, counter I think to that, value. though, I I agree, good value, but I think the counter to that is just that Fritz has been. I think his career to me has already exceeded the expectations. Uh, mm. He won that Indian Wells tournament, right? He's kind of seeming. He's the most consistent American, it seems. Uh, really can play with. Seems like most mostly everyone on tour. And I think in his mind, he sees himself as like a contender to win slams. So Asher, I think that's Asher, a counter. Can, Asher, can you comment on the last part about Fritz seeing himself as a contender? Because you, you, ha- you had something to say about that recently when, when we spoke about this. <laughs> yeah, he, I think it was after he lost to Rafa at Wimbledon, despite the fact that Rafa like was injured and couldn't move. And then after the game, he, he was very confident in his abilities and said, yeah, yeah, I, I competed well. And I, <laughs> and I know I'm right up there with these guys, but he didn't, he didn't actually get the fact that Rafa like could barely move. And then he didn't even play his next match. <laughs> oh, also I misspoke. He's plus, he's at 11 plus 1130. He's 11 over 11 to one underdog. Basso. All right. Can someone place yeah, that, that bet for that's me? Definitely good. Value. Yeah. Asher, call that in for Kabir. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Uh, last one I pulled out, and then anything else you guys want to talk about? Uh, I think just I don't know what it is about this match, but it just it makes sense that they're playing each other. Is JJ Wolf and Jordan Thompson? <laughs> JJ Wolf is like the meet American kind of like tailgate Budweiser drinking middle of the country, crafty, very kind of like. 
Jimmy Connors, but not successful kind of energy <laughs> uh, or hasn't had that level of success, but like similar energy there. But a, a, a uh, growth mindset, right? Growth mindset. Probably, <laughs> he'll probably get an MBA at some point when he finishes his career. He'll go back and get his MBA. Um, Jordan Thompson is somehow staying in Grand Slam draws. Australian. Does he probably still has his mustache? Uh, some clips of him in these matches. It's like pretty hard to believe that this guy is like still like really on the tour. I think when I see him play, <laughs> but he's he stayed relevant. Uh, any thoughts on that match? Really bizarre match. I, I agree with you. There's something about this match that makes sense, right? The matchup. Um, I would go with Wolf in five. I think he's had a bit more consistency. And although Thompson is Australian, he's going to play with a huge crowd. Um, I feel like Wolf is really not going to be phased by a really aggressive, loud Australian crowd. I think he's going to get, get, get pretty hyped up. And the conditions are probably going to favor him as well. D Mitch, what's the what's the over under for number of verbal altercations during the match? <laughs> <laughs> is that is that something you can bet on? <laughs> no. <laughs> Wolf is the think... guy that you were telling Alex. When we when I started watching tennis, you pointed out Wolf has a mustache, um, and you pointed him out yeah. as I think quote the most disgusting player on the tour. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on, on the other side, Alex also sent a text um, last summer saying, does Jordan Thompson deserve to be playing at Wimbledon? <laughs> the answer is no, dude, I think. But um, the uh, the other thing, though, I, I do think JJ Wolf is dangerous. He could yeah, win this match and beat Schwartzman next round. Yeah. I think that's that's a possibility, but... All right, those are, I think, the matches I have. Anything you're missing else you a big match here. When I what saw are... the draw, there's one match that caught my eye that you guys have skipped over here, and that's the uh, Rublev match. Rublev oh, Rublev team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. My bad. That was a horrible. Actually, yeah. could be, we got to cut out that. Even, that that's a, probably the most <laughs> interesting first round match. Thank yeah, you, That's Daniel. the match that I know both the, like, I'm a tennis novice, and I knew both those players and was excited to see that one. Yeah, that's we should have led with that. My bad, guys. That's um, a brutal first round, and there's so we could do it. We could probably do an entire episode on on this match. Asher, why don't you distill it? I think that the surface is really bad for team because he okay. he loves to play with spin and he loves to take big cuts. Rublev also likes to take big cuts, but I think he can just take it a bit earlier, hit a bit flatter. So I would expect Rublev to win in straight sets. Can we talk about what is going on with team? So he had a pretty severe wrist injury, um, was out of, out of match play for what, a year, maybe a year and a half. And since I'd say last summer, he's played consistently, um, smaller tournaments, some challengers, but he's had pretty, pretty low success, right? It took him um, a number of tournaments to get the first round win. I don't think he's had more than two wins in a row. May, may, he may have played a challenger in Europe towards the end of last year where he had three wins in a row. Um, when you see him play, I think wrist injuries, we've spoken about this before, seem to be the, the most crippling. I remember when Del Potro, every time he came back, you could see in his game, the, the backhand stroke changed a bit. Mm. When you watch team play, mechanically, it does not appear that his strokes have fundamentally changed. But there's clearly something going on there. Hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine that there's some like lack of confidence or belief there. 
what's going on there? And do we think that this is maybe his last year on tour? I think, I think given how hard that guy practices and plays his matches, I think he just got burned out. Okay. So we spoke about Alcaraz and maybe load managing. I mean, team, team was banging out ATP, Umags, Bastards, all of those every year. For years, and, right? Yeah. And, he, and, he, and he, goes, he goes full max intensity in practices. So hard. So I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was sustainable. Okay. And he and was, I, for, I think that's fair. That's fair. That's for a couple thing. of years, Kabir, what, wasn't he hitting like the hardest on tour or something? Was that him? Or him or Shapo? Wasn't one of those but his, 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 um, I think when he played Rafa at the French Open a few years in a row, his, 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 his forehand speed was faster than Rafa's. Yeah. Um, All right. Two, two matches of quickly, let's just go over. Um, Krajanovic versus Rune, first round. Wait, Kabir, you didn't give your take on that last match. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I would go with Rublev in four. Okay. So you guys are both in agreement there. Yeah. Is yeah. there is there any world where team gets back to top five in the world? You think? I, I think if he's healthy in the run up to the clay season, he could have a really good clay season, and then that'll give him a lot of confidence, and he could he could get back in the top ten by the end of this year. And then I'd love to, would, would love to see think, it. Yeah, yeah. Best best case scenario, yeah, he does get back into top five. I'd like to add that, Asher, uh, from my perspective, your analysis has been purely um, the stats and the environment and no emotion. And I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> you're, you're making your picks with, with statistics and not your gut. And I think there's something to be said for that. And is that how you're going to make all your – is that how you'll make all your bets, Daniel? I think, I think you can't get emotional in this game. You know, you yeah, got Asher and uh, me and Asher have opposite philosophies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike really goes with with the gut feeling and kind of the the surrounding culture at the time, the zeitgeist, yeah. if you will. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mike Mike has expertise in a more anthropological uh, analysis. It's yeah. true. All right, a few by more. The, by the way, there's, there, there's I just now. wanted this would. There, there's one specific guy we didn't talk about who's like very interesting and could actually win is Seb Korda. Yeah. But I feel like so many people are talking about him. He's not really a dark horse, which is why he wasn't in my consideration for like random semifinalists. He's more of a white horse, but he's yeah. playing Medvedev in round three. And I don't see him beating Medvedev, but well, well, he, he, is a, he is a guy who's very interesting. I, I agree. We, so looking at the draw, Horkoc, Medvedev, and Korda are all in the same half. Uh, it looks like Korda would play Medvedev in the third round. Yeah. And the winner of that would probably play Horkoc. Yeah. Asher, do you think Korda has the serve to win a slam? Do you think his serve is there yet? It's, it's almost there. His, his ground strokes are definitely there. His ground strokes are... Are really good. In fact, Novak even complimented on having a, a beautiful tennis game, and he almost beat Novak just last week, which is why I think people are so high on him. Yeah, two match points. His, his his physicality worries me more than anything. He he has a history of getting injured, like cramping, um, not doing his best in the late stages of matches. If but, anyone makes it this this deep in the pod, listening, I'll buy you soup dumplings and flush it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last few minutes, rapid fire, a few quick first rounds. Uh, Holger Rune and Kranovic. I'm going with Kranovic first round. Whoa. No, I don't think so. Whoa. No. 
You, uh, you, are you, you, you bet beaten the first. I, w- I would bet on it. Yeah. <laughs> he's a, on it then, he's a plus I can't, bet. mate. <laughs> it's not legal here. <laughs> Go to an, call, call it in another state. Daniel, um, what's, what are the odds? What are the odds? Plus 450, Krajinovic. You can't get the, the spread, but money line, Krajinovic is uh, plus 450. So that means what? You bet. You, I, bet, a, you, bet, you make 4.5 times whatever you bet. I, what about, that seems low. It seems low. Yeah. What about Lajevic to Pavlov? Lajevic to Pavlov. Oh, that's, that's a. Uh, Shap is big time favored. He's favored by seven games, minus seven. Minus one thousand odds. Uh, Lajovic is plus seven, plus six six plus six six plus six six five for the uh, money line. Berrettini Murray first round. That's, a, that's an interesting that. one. Yeah, that's close. I actually took Berrettini. I already locked it in too. He's uh, minus four and a half for Berrettini. Um, money line for Murray is plus two seventy five. Last question from me: Do we think Warinka can make a run here? Last run. <laughs> He'd play Felix I'd count him out. Same with Murray, but I, I would prefer I, I, if the surface wasn't this quick. Okay, second round, Warinka Felix. Who would you go with? Felix, I think. Felix. I'm going with Stan. Damn, come here. <laughs> All right. Just to note, Berrettini would be so demoralized if he lost first round this tournament. That'd be a, I think, quite a blow to him. Yeah. To round it out, we touched on this for a second. Uh, Americans, which American do you think ends the season ranked highest? There's Fritz, Tiafo, Corda. Who else is in the mix? JJ Wolf, Tommy Paul, Tommy Paul. Who do you think ends the season ranked highest? So we have Fritz right now at number nine, Tiafo at 17, and Corda at 31, Tommy Paul 35, Opelka 37. Mm-hmm. But those rankings are a bit skewed heavily in favor of Fritz, right? Because he he won Indian Wells kind of, you know, semi 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 fortuitous circumstance because Rafa was injured in the final, and then he he got a, he got a bunch of points in the ATP finals. So I, I think they're more they're more even than the ranking would suggest. Maxime Cressy as well. Let's not forget him at thirty nine right now. Uh, you... I actually have Cressy to beat Holger Rune in round two. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I like that bet too. I like that. Yeah. Ending the year, I I would go with. I'm gonna go with Tommy Paul. Oh, interesting. Why? I think the last three years is where he's really started to catch up to the players that he grew up with, so Tiafo, Fritz, etc. And he's had a lot of momentum. I think his game is. I think it's much more maturity in his shot selection. And I think he hits huge off the forehand. He's got great feeling. He's actually pretty crafty the net as well. Uh, I forget who his coach is, but I think this is this is probably the year where I, I expect him to be in like, you know, fourth round quarterfinals of most, most tournaments. Maybe not Australian Open. Yeah, I think he's got a pretty tough draw, but I think he's definitely, you know, consistent top 15 potential. Asher? I'm going to go Seb Korda because I think he has the highest upside. Yeah. And he's, they, him, him, and, uh, him and Fritz are both like tennis Nepo babies, which I, I think I'm just understanding what that word means, but I, I believe I used it correctly. 
I also think the Corda has the most upside, but like Asher said, I get concerned about the injury potential. And I, I don't know if he'll be able to play a full season. I, I mean, I, I hope so, but there's a question mark there. Also, K- Kabir, you made your pick uh, for the overall winner. You took Joker, Asher, you took Kyrgios. I'd like to hear Mike and Alex's pick for the winner of the Australian Open. I'm going Medvedev. I like that. I like that a lot. I think I'm going Novak. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm locking in Novak. Dimitri, you going with Sinner? I'm, I'm taking Sinner. Beating who in the final? <laughs> um, Sinner is going to beat Medvedev and face Joker in the final and take him. I'm wow. Like, that would be a great final. Sinner Joker. That would be a great final. It would be incredible. Yeah. You know, if Sinner Joker was playing the final, I might go with Sinner. That. Yeah, that, that is not a good matchup for Novak. It's, it's, it's not good. Yeah. Okay. All right, mates. Cheeky Volley, episode 29. Alex, any concluding thoughts? I think it was a solid. I think we had a solid run just now. We definitely went longer than we would have liked to. <laughs> I saw Mike getting a little bit like, uh, we, should, we should probably wrap this up in his corner. <laughs> uh, very much, very much appreciate Daniel's uh, new kind of budding role as uh, stats. Uh, stats intern. Stats betting intern. Um, and great to be back on with everyone. Uh, that's all I got to say. Anyone else? Mike, maybe one last emotional anthropological <laughs> globalization take. Well, I was going to say, I, I've been texting with uh, Djokovic's father, and I think he's about to, he's about to get to my apartment. <laughs> oh shit he's Wait, got what? yeah he's yeah he's about or he's actually no he's texting me he's actually on his he's he's on his uh the the Djokovic family farm out it's outside of Serbia and he has he actually wants to get in on the zoom so is it okay if I let him in yeah we'll uh we'll send him an right. invite right now all right hold on let me um hold on let, Kabir, me let us know when he's in the waiting room yeah we'll do all right hold on one second let me uh Okay, hold on. Oh, let me hold on one second. Let me get him. You <laughs> <laughs> can hear. I know he's Novak's right. father, so he had a cold or something. Couldn't hear him. All right, so I'm gonna hop off because I I actually have to go. But um, let me know what he says. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Mike. We'll talk All soon. Right. Okay. Hello. Uh, as you can see, this is the family farm. We're uh, <coughs> outside Belgrade. Um, and I wanted to share a letter. <coughs> One sec. A plea to my son Novak on the event of the 2023 Australian Open. My dear son Novak, I write to you on this auspicious day, the day before the day before your first match. It has been a long while since we last corresponded, as I have had to tend to our family's dairy farm at Grandfather Vladimir's property outside of Belgrade. 
As I walk through the rocky landscape, I recall our past days. You, a small boy running about the barren land, skyscrapers of Belgrade fading in the gray sky, as Grandfather Vlad worked tirelessly to milk his small herd of heifers. Bože pravde, Grandfather would yell, which translates to God of Justice. His love was there for you, yet so was his frustration. Where was your drive? Why wouldn't you work? He would ask me as we sipped Slivovitz beside the small fireplace. As we sat there, I remember seeing you from the corner of my eye, your sinewy five-year-old boy frame in the shadows of the doorway, the glow of the fire embers caressing your brow. For a brief moment, we locked eyes. We had an unspoken understanding. Destiny. Dedication. Fire. Wolves. Anger. Boje Pravde. God of justice. I knew your anger would lead you to great things, yet your focus must not waver, a fear of Grandfather Vladis. Now I see you. I see great things for you, and as Grandfather Vladi awaits us in the afterlife, so does he believe in your ability. My advice to you, my son, on the day before, the day before your first match, is to not let this focus waver. Be still. Taste the blood. Lurk in the shadows as you did that one night, hidden in the darkness of the Serbian midnight. Embrace your hatred, for hatred is power. And I leave you with these words, chiseled onto the tombstone of Grandpa Vladi's grave. A thorny rose that grows along the cliffs blooms only once the moon has risen in the shadows of a pitch-black dream. Doesn't really hit the same when said in English. Good luck, my child, and may Vladi's advice humble your spirit.